and welcome to episode two of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we'll analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie, this Spinal Tap one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us today, all the way from the Indiana Jones Minute, is Tom Taylor and Pete Mummert. Tom and Pete, say hello to the nice people. Hello to the nice people. Hello to the nice people. <laughs> welcome, right. welcome. Thanks, yeah, thanks welcome. for having us yeah. on. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're very excited. We're kicking off All-Star Week. Uh, so we'll have uh, different guests with us uh, each minute for the remainder of this uh, inaugural, inaugural week of Spinal Tap Minute. And uh, today is Minute 2. And Minute 2 ends with the title card of the movie, This is Spinal Tap. In between, we get some more talking from Marty, a continuation from last minute. And we start with the conclusion of a How I Met Your Mother joke. And it's the legendary Spinal Tap. So now we know. We now we have the name of the band. We know why we're here. Um, and we, uh, so we're still on Marty DeBerge uh, giving us his introduction. Um, and he seems a little nervous. He's not quite sure what to do at this point. We see he kind of mm-hmm. crosses and uncrosses his arms. He <laughs> starts to lean, but isn't quite sure if, if that's where he wants to go. Um, and just uh, and, and a, a callback to our first minute where, where Heidi mentioned that this movie was either primarily or entirely improvised, depending on, on who you ask. So there, um, there wasn't a traditional script. But there was sort of a shooting outline, just describing all the different scenes to give a structure for the the improvisation. And uh, for for this scene, um, it des- it describes sort of the set area where where Marty's talking where Mar- Marty's talking from, and it makes a point to say this is sort of purposely casual that it's really set up in a way to make sure like oh we just turned a camera on and and this was what was there, but it's not. It's not set up in a way that any soundstage would really be set up. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the the lights are pointing, you know, aren't pointing out towards the performance. It's pointing backstage. It's it's sort of strange. It's sort of um, a, a forced casualness. Yeah, those ladders are all arranged by height. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I noticed that too. <laughs> ladders. Well, everything on the stage, it kind of mirrors the the arc of the band. Like you've got at the beginning, you've got kind of that boom mic that kind of slants upwards. And then you've got the ladders that keep ascending. Like you climb one to get to the next and the next. And then you get to the top and there's literally nowhere to go but down. And, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and there's like there's a blank space on the stage. And then at the end of the stage, you're back to there's a big amp and there's a guitar. And it's like, well, now all we got's the music. It's like a little encapsulation yeah. of the movie. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Nowhere to go but down. Yeah, and I think right here I've just paused it as he's walking across and you get those Marshall stacks and some few guitars and some mics. And yeah, it looks it, it, it looks set up purposefully casual in a great way. Yeah. <laughs> and I like he's kind of set up purposely casual. Like he's got his collar flipped up. Yeah. Yes. Was, <laughs> the collar flipped up and then the, the lens around the neck. Right. Is that a director thing? Like what, what's, what is that? It seems to be, it seems like it's a, it's, it's a, I always see, you know, like in making of stuff, you always see like a director with that thing around that. It's like a viewfinder thing. And it's like, he's just, he, they'll hold it up to their eye to like, you know, kind of get a sense of what the, the framing of the shot is going to be and stuff. And, 
but yeah, in this case, it's like, well, he doesn't need that right now. He's he's not directing anything. He's he's you know recording a thing. He's in front of the camera, so it's like that kind of forced you know casualness again, the kind of mm-hmm. calculated casualness. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's a perfect accessory for him saying, "I am the director." Yeah. <laughs> right. He just wears yeah. that wherever he goes. Oh, I'm a director. Maybe maybe that gets you good tables at restaurants. I don't know. <laughs> And I love the hat. Like, is is the hat meant to be ironic? Like, is this like the kind of early version of like the ironic trucker hat? Or is he really like a, I mean, I know it's sort of a, a, a spoof on the hat since they couldn't get permission from the Navy to use the actual hat. But is it, mm-hmm. is he wearing that as a proud Navy supporter? Or is he wearing that to be a rock and roll like rebel? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I did research it enough to to establish that. The, there's no actual ship. The designation on the hat isn't. It's not a real hat, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something you'd see in real life that you know corresponds to an actual ship. But why? Yeah, I don't know where it comes from or or why he decided on that. Well, my husband he <clears throat> checked it out and he said that it was they t- he took they took a coral sea one mm-hmm. and turned the coral <laughs> into oral. Yeah, <laughs> and you know. The rest is history. <laughs> I wonder well, if there's I, something about it that's like that. Like he's a square. He like does chuck wagon yeah. commercials and stuff. But he's also <laughs> but he listens to Spinal Tap and music like that. So he's like kind yeah. of kind of fan where he like doesn't fit in with like the the backstage kind of crowd at all. But he's there right. to like chronicle it or something. And he's got like this totally square, you know, navy hat. So he, yeah, he's kind of he. I mean, when I used to, I used to live in Sacramento, and one of the clubs I used to play at and hang out at was Old Ironsides, and so that's a little cross section. You know, you get people who are really big, you know, uh, music fans, but also casual listeners, and every, anybody can be a fan of rock and roll. So I could see him hanging out there and having a old fashioned or a Salty dog or something, getting into the rock and roll, you know. Yeah, yeah, a bull shot. (laughs) (laughs) And there's 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 kind of a funny history of the actual Coral Sea. Like it was the ship was it was it was a big aircraft carrier, and the city of San Francisco kind of adopted it, and they sort of unofficially called it the city of San Francisco. Hmm. But during the Vietnam War. There was a kind of a famous incident where several of the the sailors refused to report because they didn't want to support the Vietnam War effort, and so churches around the Bay Area offered sanctuary, and something like forty people didn't sail with the with the ship when it sailed out during the Vietnam War, hmm. and so I thought it was an interesting choice. Yeah. Huh. Definitely interesting. He has a weird, uh, not weird, but like I, I noticed this time watching it for this that he mentioned specifically that he heard about. Spinal Tap going on tour in the late fall of 1982. Mm-hmm. And so like that's like it's already late fall when he before he even starts filming. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to think like, oh wait, does that hold up for the rest of the like? Does the rest of the movie does seem like it's uh, they're wearing coats and it looks like it's cold weather and stuff. Like, but then later on they're like, I think they're in L.A. and they're on the roof of that hotel and that yeah. seems very balmy and pleasant and. And oh, and and uh, Ian at one point references the fact that it's 1982, and uh, I mean maybe this holds up perfectly fine. But that caught my ear for the first time. Like, oh wait, it's yeah. already like late. It's all, 82 is almost over, and right. it's late in the year. And it should be winter. So is it winter the whole time, or have I caught them in something? And I don't think I did. I think it's 
fine. I think it works totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, it's 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 yeah, late fall '82 before mm-hmm. he even hears about the planning for the tour, and then he must very quickly make plans to to film this documentary because he's there at the kickoff party. Yeah, and they're just starting uh-huh. that tour. Yeah, and it's interesting. And then one one thing from going back to that that sort of shooting outline I mentioned. There are some changes, obviously, with with the improvisation in what what I'll call the quote unquote script. It doesn't reference the chuck wagon commercial that Marty talked about in minute one, but it does say that to to film the tour, he had to give up a chance to work with Sandy Duncan on a new series of Wheat Thins commercials. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Classic. He uh, set up Sandy Duncan to, uh, to hang out with these mooks. Uh, all in all in late fall of 1982 that's awesome i mostly remember her from the the peter pan peter pan of the (laughs) oh yeah yeah for sure yeah the love boat yeah and what i was noticing too just you know we get a close-up of his face quite a bit here a couple things one is like my husband has a big bushy beard and to shave i mean you gotta shave all that cheek space <laughs> yeah, all the right. way down it's an interesting look you know that that takes some dedication to grooming right there yeah and yeah, also yeah. he has a little a little bit of gray in there and mm-hmm. he i don't i'm not sure exactly when they started shooting this but he got all in the family when he was 23 mm-hmm and so he was pretty young. And then he, um, I didn't write out exactly when he started doing, but this, you know, was his directorial debut. And he kind of got his oral sea legs by, <laughs> you know, hanging out while other people, you know, directed those episodes. And he did write a few of yeah. the episodes too. But I'm just, yeah, just he looks like he is a little um, distinguished beard action there. But also he's very sunburnt. So yeah. that yeah. gave yeah. Yeah, it's a little red. <laughs> yeah. But he was born, uh, Rob Reiner was born in 47, or March of 47. So this is the fall of 82. He's he's 35. But yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's very well groomed. The, the the beard is full, but you know, but but straight. You know, he's the, the, the cheeks are clean. And yeah, if you if you go to uh around second 40, you get a good close-up. You know, Marty, he gets serious for a moment, and the camera kind of pulls in and you get a look at him and uh the collar's popped and he's he's been getting some sun yeah definitely yeah Um, that uh that close-up has always made me nervous for some reason when they cut closer to him (laughs) because it always feels like oh this has been a very natural like one take thing of him talking and you know kind of strolling past all the all the lights and ladders and everything then they cut in i'm like and it feels like it's 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 gonna cut away after he says the smells of a rock and roll band or whatever. Like they only cut in to like punctuate that joke or something, or like he yeah. didn't do it right the first time in the one take, so they had to like cut it. Like, but then he doesn't. Like that's actually the the, the rest of the scene continues from that shot. So I'm always like, oh okay, cool. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They're, they're professionals. Good for them. Way to go, Meathead. Yeah. And speaking of Meathead, actually, it's it's actually funny. As you as you were talking about uh, All in the Family and everything, I realized this is probably, in 1982, this is probably the first time I laid eyes on him since All in the mm-hmm. Family. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my gosh, he's got a beard. He's got a hat. He's, like, directing movies. This is really weird. <laughs> Where'd he go? 
Good for you, Michael Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, he actually said it took a while for people to trust and believe in him as a director because, you know, back at that um, time, it wasn't as common for people to go from being a TV, you know, a TV actor to be mm-hmm. taken seriously as a, a director. So I guess that's where the 23 to uh, 30, whatever you said earlier, Sean, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he was out there um, getting people to trust him to make this project. Just him and Richie Cunningham. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. I was thinking the same thing as a, as a parallel for someone who, you know, kind of started young acting um, and then to, to get taken seriously as a, as a director. But uh, I think he does a great job. I think they make a lot of good decisions. And, and just to, to once again, jump back to the question of improvisation and, and the script. Um, so to, to close out his little speech, what's in the script? It's, it's a little, it's a little jokey. He, he mm. talks about what they have. And most of the script, it just describes a scene. For example, that, um, that kickoff party uh, what the script describes is just, oh, it's an industry kickoff party. There's executives from the record company. There's mimes that are waiters and that kind of stuff. Most of it doesn't have any dialogue. Um, it's really that this part is exceptional in that it, it does have some of the lines for uh, for Marty to say. And, and one of the lines it has, it has him saying, the rockumentary you're about to see is a microcosm, a macrocosm, even if you will, a mini cosm, <laughs> <laughs> which is silly, and and and, and it, it gets a laugh, but it's it's obvious, you know, he's, yeah. he's making yeah. up these words, he's being kind of jokey, and then what he actually does um, in in the improvisation is is to kind of get that serious, you know, I I got that, but I mm. got more, a lot more, right, um, and I, and I like that that subtle humor that it's it's not as obvious. Uh, and it, it allows for people to kind of make the mistake of thinking, wait, wait a second, is this is this a band? Like how many how <laughs> how many drugs did I do in the sixties? Like or the seventies? <laughs> that I you know, there's this great huge worldwide phenomenon that's making a triumphant return, and I, I don't remember them at all. Like um, that they play it straight and serious, and it's uh-huh. not you know, it's 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 serious people in funny situations, and the comedy kind of comes out of that as opposed to them purposely saying funny words like minicosm and, and that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, uh, I guess props and, and appreciation of the choices they made. And, and some of that's in the improvisation. And then a lot of that is in, is in the editing as, as Heidi touched on last minute that it was uh, uh, nine months in, in the editing booth, I think was the, uh, Oh wow. The she had mentioned that, that, that it was a lot of it was done. Yeah done after the fact kind of like the way we uh we make this podcast sound so good (laughs) (laughs) you should hear the stuff that pete had cut out (laughs) just didn't make it into this episode yeah but i i I like that i like the the pull in i like he's gonna get serious he's kind of kidding around hey i saw this band and and they were great and then like he gets serious and then uh and then hey enough of my yakking you know, and then he's like, yeah. okay, yeah. The, the, the serious time is over, and we're going to have some fun. It's funny that he says, let's boogie. <laughs> oh, I love that. Band, and then he says, let's boogie. 
Yeah. I love it. Cause, cause it, it's, he's, he's in a world. It's like, he's in a world he doesn't quite understand. And all of his references. <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah. And it reminds me, I, I think on the airport minute, they were talking to, or somewhere like Lloyd Bridges and Peter Graves, when they were making airplane, uh, oh, like yeah. one yeah, of them was looking yeah. at the script and he's like, I don't, I don't understand why this is funny. And the other guy's like, we're the joke. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Robert Stack totally got it. Oh yeah. Robert Stack like, is like, I don't know. <laughs> he's telling. Yeah. He told Lloyd Bridges, just just be yourself. And yeah. And yeah. We're the joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a like when Louis C.K. says on fleek. It's it's you know he's he's an old man. He's he's out of it. You know he used to be with it, and then they changed what it was. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> right. Well, and there's something sincere about the awkwardness that's also. I, I mentioned before too that he's just I find him really warm and endearing and it's a little different yeah, than endearing. some of the um other stuff other movies and t- television shows like The Office and such that are things that people really really like and that I can take in small doses but when they're a little bit more on the um embarrassing oh my mm-hmm. god I can't believe they just did that kind of mm-hmm bent it's just a little too close that i get like uncomfortable whereas this i i always enjoy the ride with with marty and then you know as we meet the whole band it it always seems no matter what even when it gets a little serious you know Mm. fun it always seems still fun and yet still sincere so i do think like you said sean like they really they nailed it Mm. and i think that's why this movie has there's not one person that I said, I'm doing a Spinal Tap related podcast. They go, oh, I love that movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's always fun to to start a podcast um, and have people be on board with it right away. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than go, what? You want to do a podcast about mimes <laughs> for five minutes? <laughs> <That episode. laughs> yeah. No, actually, I love... Sean has a fantastic podcast I highly recommend called Five Minutes of Mime, as he mentioned at the top of the ep. Um, I'm, a hu- yeah. I'm a huge fan of that, by the way. Isn't it yeah. great? It's I wonderful. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Though, it, and, so in, 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 in contrast to uh, the, the silence of a mime, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Marty, Marty says something, uh, something interesting about the band Spinal Tap here. It says they have a distinguished place in rock history as one of England's loudest bands. I wonder if that's, have they measured? Is that official? (laughs) Yeah. I'm wondering if that's a real thing or if that's his kind of tone deaf, like that's how he would describe a a compliment to a rock band. If like, (laughs) like if he's, if he, if he's a perfect guy to do this documentary because he doesn't really understand what he's talking about or if that's a real thing. Yeah. I've definitely seen bands, um, UC Davis Coffee House over in Davis, California, they used to put on really fantastic shows there. In fact, I saw uh, Mud Honey among many other bands mm. that fan- just really great bands. But some of the bands were so loud that I would literally step outside to enjoy them more because <laughs> yeah. ear splittingly loud, <laughs> but unforgettable. Yes, yeah, I think that's. Uh, maybe an unofficial official type thing. I know uh, at one point the who was sort of the, the world's loudest band. Um, and then uh, later on uh, in sort of the mid eighties would have been after 
after Spinal Tap rain, Spinal Tap's reign, um, somewhere around, I think it was was like 84, 85, the, the Power Slave tour, that Iron Maiden sort of took over that mantle as as the loudest band. Wow. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't have more information on uh, on, on Spinal Tap's measurements. Um, if they travel, they have like a sound guy with a little meter there checking that out. Um, and it's also weird because their their style of music. I know we haven't heard any of it yet in uh, in the movie, but if you have you know the albums at home, they're um, they're, they're you know they're, they're they're rock and roll. It's not heavy metal. It's not thrash. It's not mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. stuff that's loud, but it's not. Um, there's a top to it. It's not stuff that you can turn it all the way up. Um, you wouldn't you know you could turn it up to eleven, but I don't know if you'd go any higher than that. Um, as you might do with some other bands, um, but yeah, one of England's, England's loudest bands, so they got that going for them, which is nice. Well, he also mentions the um, the word rockumentary here, and that's if yeah. yes, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> is that that's a, that's a new coinage? I was going to say, is this um, the first recorded time. use of the word uh, rockumentary? I don't know about recorded use, but um, I did do a quick research. I don't have it in front of me, but um, that it was coined for um, not specifically who coined it, but that it was used a little bit um, before before oh, okay. this. So well, I was I was curious if they ever used it for because there's a movie that this reminds me a lot, and I wonder how much this is kind of based loosely on is the great mm-hmm. rock and roll swindle. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. about the Sex Pistols, which came out probably what. Three or four years before this, yeah, yeah, that one's a lot of fun and weird. I, I, I think I've only seen it maybe once. Doesn't it have like some animated sections in it, and I remember it being really different. Yeah, it's got some weird stuff. It's, it's got like Sid Vicious singing "My Way," and it's got mm-hmm. like the great train robbery guy. And <laughs> I just recently rewatched um, Sid and Nancy. So oh, okay. When we were when um, Tom said exterminate, which was offline, <laughs> off line, uh, off mic earlier, it reminded me that when I heard um, the first time I heard exterminate was actually from Sid and Nancy, not from oh, Doctor Who. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I I wasn't a Doctor Who fan, so it was. Yeah, so that kind of yeah, it did remind me, um, and I just wanted to see uh, yeah what some of some other favorite rockumentaries of that anybody really likes um, or just anything related to bands or um, specific musicians. I mean, there's a ton of really great documentaries out there. Uh, a band called death is one that came out in 2012 that I really loved. Gosh, there's so many good ones. Sound that sound city one about the sound city recording studios. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That's that came out in, Mm-hmm. 2013 that was that was great i i've seen that one but i feel like i could watch that one a few times in a row um you know woodstock of course is oh sure legendary mm-hmm. but yeah what what other ones do people like or have fond memories of well there's Anybody? a there's a yeah, there, there's a recent one. Um, that Did I was, lose everybody? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm trying to think of one. I'm trying to yeah. think of one. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of going on, on the newer side, a, a recent one, Daft Punk Unchained. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, was, was, was really interesting. I'm kind of into 
Daft Punk, but into him a lot more after seeing the Rockumentary. Or I, um, I guess what they isn't really rock. I don't know, electronicumentary. I'm not quite sure. What you <laughs> yeah, so so sort of a, just a history reaching back to uh, to to the early playing days. They were in a straight up like a normal band playing instruments, and you could see their heads and faces. They weren't wearing helmets all the time, and they were like normal people. And then they uh, they evolved into uh, into really kind of a worldwide movement, and um, did some some interesting mu- music. And but I think even if you're not the, the the measure of a documentary or a rockumentary, if you will, is is if you're not into the music and, and not into the band and, and you still find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I think Spinal Tap fits that bill. You know, even if you're not uh, a fan of rock and roll or, or of the band coming in, and I think uh, Daft Punk Unchained is what it's called. Is something that again, even if you're not a, a particular fan of electronica or of Daft Punk, um, really interesting movie. Cool, cool. check it out. Yeah. Yeah, and um, one movie that is uh, I have a, a lot of fond memories about and a real emotional attachment to is um, Stop Making Sense, the oh, Talking sure. Heads. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. that one. Um, I was uh, short, super short story, but I was living with my mom at the time in Salt Lake City, Utah as a teen and, and not in a happy place. Um, in any way, stretch, or form. And my um, dad had arranged to have me come back and live with him in Sacramento. And he and my stepmom and my brother came to pick me up at the airport and took me straight to uh, the Tower Theater in uh, Sacramento and straight to see Stop Making Sense. So not only was I going to see a great movie, but it was a really normalizing situation. Like in Salt Lake City, I felt like an outcast, weirdo, shaved head freak, and couldn't find my people and felt really out of sorts. And then this them taking me, it was like, you know, it was was really soothing to kind of go, ah, people that get me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Another one I'll mention to jump in and kind of go from, I guess, from maybe from a modern extreme to something a little bit older is is Festival Express, mm-hmm. um, which is a documentary about a uh, a, a train tour of, of across Canada in 1970, and it's got uh, Janis Joplin, The Grateful Dead, the band, Flying Burrito Brothers, just a, a sort of a, a traveling festival, a, a, a collection of just great late 60s bands all went on tour and all just took a train across Canada between different cities and there's a lot of a lot of footage um, of just the 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 bands and the musicians kicking back and and hanging out on the train and that's kind of intercut with 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 concert footage but uh that's another really good one again it's it it's it's made greater if you have an appreciation of the music but uh even if you're not familiar with with any of those bands from uh the late sixties and early seventies. I still think it's, it's worth searching out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Experience. I highly recommend it. It's very intimate. You're really, yeah. you know, you're really in there with Blu-ray them release as well. So yeah. you can get it on modern formats. Oh, I just thought of one actually that I love. Uh, and it's kind of recent. It's uh, the one about, I think it was called beyond the lighted stage about rush. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's, I think it was, it might have been released theatrically, but I know that I saw it on like a. It was like an extra with like some anthology thing or something. But it was really good, and it could. And, and part of it, I think, was because I I I love Rush, but I 
didn't know a ton about them as as people you know just like like where they came from or what their history was or anything or uh so that was very cool it was it was very satisfying and they had a lot of other musicians like current musicians who were like who were weaned on them and and loved mm-hmm. them and grew up with them and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah, that's very cool and you just get to see them as like just just kind of dudes hanging out and stuff and you know cool. they go out to dinner and they chat <laughs> with each other and have pleasant times with each other that was cool there's another one recently i like there's one uh not too long ago about Joy Division that I really liked. I think it was just called Joy Division. Oh, yeah. But one thing I think is interesting about these is it, it like, they all talk about a time, I think, when most of the four of us were kind of young, and this this all seemed like such a great, amazing new thing. And so much of this now seems like a lost world. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine so much of this happening today. And it, it, it's, right, yeah. it's really an interesting kind of look forward when we were kids, but now kind of a look right. back. <laughs> yeah. That does remind me too. I don't remember what it's called, but the, I'm the Ian Curtis. There's a movie, the biopic, yeah. And it's not a, yeah, biopic. So it's not him. It's you know, it's an actor. Is that a biopic? Hmm. I think so. Yeah. Are you talking about Control? Control. That's, Is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah. yeah. I, I really liked that a uh-huh. lot. Um. And I just yeah. looked up what I had said just real quick. I mean, it's not it's not like groundbreaking information, but just rockumentary. I had, I had looked it up, and what I had done was a screen grab of it. That's why I couldn't oh. find it. It was on my <laughs> phone. Um, <laughs> it just says the term was first used by Bill Drake in the 1969 History of Rock and Roll radio broad, broadcast. Oh, <laughs> huh, okay. Um, well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Subsequently used to describe concert films, and then it, of course, says. The mockumentary film This Is Spinal Tap from 1984 notably parodied the rockumentary genre. But yeah, we already knew that. Genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, well, and speaking of, of Ian Curtis and, and Control and Joy Division, and this is kind of getting further off from, from the rockumentary path and, and into um, fictional movies, but uh, another movie I'd recommend that I, I don't think got big play, at least here in, in the States, is 24-Hour Party People. Oh yeah, um, which, mm-hmm. which covers the the broader world of sort of the the Manchester music scene and, and factory records. So, um, you know, Joy Division and Depeche Mode play a, a, a small part. It's not about them uh, per se, but they they play in that. And if you're kind of interested in that world or just uh, um, that 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 Manchester music scene or how uh, how things get started. Just how does how does someone start a record label and really start a, a movement? Yeah, um, a lot yeah. of a lot of really great music um, that certainly affected you know folks that were uh, you know that were teenagers or were getting into music in sort of the late seventies through the through the eighties. Um, well, this yeah, was this one's interesting though because it kind of like so many of the rockumentaries like they kind of focus on the beginning of a movement or like how somebody started and they kind of move through their career. And Spinal Tap's interesting because you just kind of catch the tail end of it with the movie, right? But at the same time, yeah. where in a lot of a, a lot of you know documentaries that do that, they become sort of maudlin or or sad. This just stays almost relentlessly positive. Like it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, it's really it's cool. It's like it's a fun movie to watch. I wonder yeah, if that's even because like the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say even you know down to the you know once we get to the closing credits, you know there's still mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> new ideas and opportunities and possibilities <laughs> that everybody's exploring. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I wonder if like the positivity of it, and and even just the nature of it, that you're like, yeah, that you're like, who would make a documentary about a guy about a band, you know, on their way out, like they're they're on their <laughs> decline and stuff. But then you realize, well, okay, Martin DeBerge is a fan, and he was like excited just to like make any kind of movie uh-huh. about Spinal Tap and follow them on the road. And then it happened to be that they were, you know, kind of, you know, not selling out in the huge arenas anymore. And they were kind of on their way down. Um, so that's cool. Like that that he as a character kind of shapes yeah. the nature of the film in a way. Totally. Well, I'm curious if he shapes at all their their downfall because they fall so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I wonder if any of that has to do with them being filmed all the time. Like, I'm, I'd be curious. Oh, yeah. So we, we, we touched on that a little bit in the first minute is... Um, does it turn out is Marty a bit of a foil for for the band? Hmm. Is he kind of the uh, the antagonist um, if there is one in this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll have to watch and see. <laughs> All right, so around uh, around second fifty four of of minute two, we get away from from, from Marty for the first time of the movie, um, and out of uh, a flash of white light comes uh, comes an airplane. And then, uh, then our title card, the title of the movie, this is Spinal Tap. I'm noticing as I'm, lo- I, I have this up on my screen now, and I'm looking at it, and there's two things I never noticed before. That I mean, Spinal Tap, the name Spinal Tap is in this like awesome like mm-hmm. rock, you know, carved out of metal, <laughs> little, yeah. shiny like awesome Spinal Tap, and then this is is just like the. I think it's Helvetica, maybe yeah. it's like the most boring font possible, yeah. and. The I in is really should be capitalized. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It's, uh, yeah. I and mean, they've got, they, there's a little bit of a drop shadow. Yeah. Uh, and this is, you know? but oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just the, the cheapest, it's some high school <laughs> club overlay. This is over the, the awesome spinal tap <laughs> right. logo that yeah, just carved into the living rock. Um, and, and, and two interesting things about, about Spinal Tap, the name or the, the the printing is so. There's the umlaut over the N. Mm-hmm. That's pretty mm-hmm. obvious. But, but something I didn't notice until I sat down and, and started preparing for for the podcast is there's no dot over the I. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They made some uh, some decisions with the font there. Taking some liberties <laughs> with with Spinal Tap. <laughs> I was curious about the umlaut though, because it, like in Germanic languages, the umlaut goes over a vowel, yeah. and it like it's actually I didn't realize it's actually a thing. It's called the metal umlaut. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I did a little research, and it's it's funny. Uh, like you said, it, umlaut usually goes over a, a vowel in metal heavy metal band names and in languages that use an umlaut, but it softens the vowel sound when it's used. Um, uh-huh. And there's a little thing. There's a there's a story when Motley Crue first goes over to Europe, and and the crowds are saying Motley Crue, Motley Crue, because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's. And I know in in you know in Motorhead or Blue Oyster Cult or Motley Crue, it's it's not pronounced. But in the languages where it is pronounced, it's not it's not a heavy sound. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not like it doesn't turn English into Klingon. That you put in umlaut. Um, but yeah, the so the, there's the metal umlaut. Um, usually over a vowel, um, the umlaut over a consonant, uh, and, and specifically the N, is is really rare. There's only a couple languages. There are actual languages that that use that. There's um, there's a Mayan dialect, and then also in uh, Cape Verdean Creole, 
I'm you sure that's what they were going for. Yeah, you have, you have it. And um, I, yeah, I don't know if, if, if that's what they were going for, but it is kind of weird. It's one of those things like, hey, it, it, we're a bunch of guys. We're in a band. We want to look cool. You know, we're going to rip our jeans and, and tie bandanas and then you know, stick, an, <laughs> stick an umlaut on, on anything. Right. And then the an eye, a dotless eye, um, is actually even rarer than uh, – then an end with an umlaut. Um, I can only find one language where that was used um, in, in Turkish. There's yeah, actually yeah. different. There's an I and then there's a dotless I. Oh, really? Um, and then there's some, according to Wikipedia, that some fonts, if you have a combination, if you have an I that follows an F, um, that the line or the, the line coming from the F, that middle line of mm-hmm. the F will overlap the dot. Where, where where the dot should be for the eye, so that they'll just use a dotless eye. Hmm. Um, and I've never actually seen a font like that, but supposedly um, hmm. that's a thing. But yeah, so it doesn't yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just something uh, <laughs> they do to make it look badass. Well, what do you think? What do you think the name of the band means? Have you guys talked about that? Like, why why did they call themselves Spinal Tap? We have not talked about. No, that. it has actually not. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can tell you that if I'm if I'm looking on um, Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag Spinal Tap, that I come across band related stuff and surgery related stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If, you, if you're doing research for a podcast and you just search in iTunes for Spinal Tap, you'll get a lot of different podcasts about pop culture and, and talking about the band and interviews of actors and stuff, and then. Um, You'll also get a lot of physical therapy. <laughs> there's, yeah, apparently there's, um, what is it? It's not Spinal Tap Minute, but there's something with a similar name. <laughs> um, that's all about physical therapy. And it, you know, and it took me a couple episodes before I'm like, I don't think this is talking about what I think. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because later on, you're just kind of a little bit of a, a foreshadowing or, or getting ahead of ourselves in terms of the minutes. They do talk a little bit about different incarnations of the band and different names they've they've gone through like most bands that have cycled through different members and, and been around mm-hmm. for a long time um but they yeah they don't address where the spinal tap comes from so it's kind of lost to the ages maybe uh you know maybe if we get nigel or david on the show we can we can ask <laughs> <them. laughs> well i think we're about at that time unless anybody has anything specific else they want to share or talk about that we can kind of wrap this episode up one more small thing i I do like that the airplane that they show flying in is the concord so they're like flying in 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 true style like they're really coming Mm. in on top yeah oh yeah yeah. it's the british airways kind of obscured by wow by the first embassy pictures presents and then this is Spinal Tap, but yeah, it's a Concord. And that, that really, uh, I was, yeah, that's that's funny, Pete. I was about to say something about the plane as well. We just want to note that that's sort of, um, you know, that's just like kind of the rock and roll dream come true. You're on the road, you're flying around. Um, we, we happen to know here they're, they're flying into New York City. So uh, so that's that's exciting. And, and, and talking about um, building on what we said about the the optimism of, of Marty DeBerge as a fan, mm-hmm. that's kind of, Mm-hmm. A, an optimistic image of like, yeah, we're we're flying in, we're on tour, we're big time rock and roll. Yeah, and the Concorde wasn't cheap. I, like, I was just curious, like, what it would have cost in in 80, 1982 for a ticket, 
And a one-way ticket was about $6,000, which is about $15,000, $16,000 today. Oh so they were seriously like, they came in on top of the world. Like they were, <laughs> you know, the, the limos, the first class hotels. And it's fun watching the progression in the movie. Like it just goes south so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much well, like that's what's how it does so fun about having um, different guests come on is that we all, you know, we all notice different things about a single minute. So I really appreciate you uh, bringing in your insight and what you guys noticed and took away from this minute. Well, thanks. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. I love this movie. Yeah. Me too. So we hope you've enjoyed episode two of Spinal Tap Minute. Head on over to SpinalTapMinute.com and there you can find all of our social links. You can connect to us on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, etc. There's also a subscription link there and that will be very important for us to kind of help spread the word and have us get noticed um, when you subscribe to us. That's, that's very helpful. And of course, telling friends about us. Um, anybody that you think might enjoy something as silly as um, zeroing in on one minute at a time of something as fun as this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, you can also find us uh, on Facebook uh, at the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge. Um, so thank you for listening. We also want to thank our guests, Tom Taylor and, and, and Pete Mummert. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you gentlemen with us. And uh, can you can you tell the people if they're interested in uh, the Indiana Jones Minute or, or anything else you may be doing? How can uh, how can people find you, Pete? Why don't you take that? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening to this podcast right here, you can probably find us the same place you found this. If you're on iTunes, just look up Indiana Jones Minute, or uh, you can come to our website, IndianaJonesMinute.com, and find all the dirty details there. Awesome, fantastic. And you can also give us a call. I want to I wanna let, let the folks know that we have a Spinal Tap Minute hotline. Uh, you can reach that at 419-TAP-TAP-6. That's 419-827-8276. So if you, if you have any Spinal Tap movie memories or real-life Spinal Tap moments from uh, performances, concerts, or otherwise... Uh, Give us a call, leave us a message, and uh, maybe we'll incorporate incorporate your story into a, a, f- a future episode. Um, so th- thanks again to, to Tom and Pete for, for joining us. Thanks for to, to you folks out there in podcast land uh, for listening. I'm also going to go ahead and mention Alex Robinson and, and Pete the Retailer of the Star Wars Minute, who are um, pioneers of this movie-by-minute format. Um, they've kind of blessed our, our little work here and um, and many other projects. If you're if you're interested in uh, watching more movies one minute at a time, they have a website at moviesbyminutes.com, and you can uh, you can find out about Indiana Jones Minute and and, and many other movies, um, many other podcasts of, of this format. And I'm also going to mention Brad and Adam of uh, Gutterballs, the uh, Big Lebowski deep cast, um, which is a little bit different. Um, it's it's not a, a, a daily. Uh, podcast of of this type but really they they were the first to uh to watch a movie one minute at a time and um and and talk about it and be so presumptuous as to uh record that talking and and think that someone else might want to listen um so uh so they had a little bit of part in 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 this movement as well so i want to make sure that those guys get credit great Um, but yeah so so this has been great Uh, it's it's a lot of fun until next time and so say all of us 
Tap, Tap into, into America. 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 <laughs> <laughs>